Hello, critical thinkers, and welcome to this episode of the Healthy and Awake podcast, where today we're talking about blue light. And some of you maybe are thinking it's blue light. Who cares? It's light that's blue. Well, the thing is that light has a profound impact on our health, and there's a lot of research to support that claim. And some people go as far as asking the question, are the effects of our light environment more profound than diet and exercise? And so if you feel like maybe you've been doing everything right with your health and you still aren't seeing the results that you're looking for, well, then perhaps you can check the research on, on your lighting environment. And that's what we're here to talk about. This is a very research-heavy episode. I have so many sources. So if you are a science nerd like me, or if you are a health enthusiast, uh, if you are a health coach, or if you're just someone interested in this topic, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode as we start general and get real nitty-gritty by the end on everything from blue light to natural sunlight exposure and ways to protect ourselves and all that good stuff. So let's get into it. So maybe a good place to start is what is light? Because it's all around us. We don't really think much about it. But light is essentially electromagnetic spectrum. And that includes everything from radio frequencies to gamma rays, only some of which are visible to us. And... My audience is a little, uh, I have a lot of variety in, in my audience. So uh, I have people where uh, I'm, I want to keep this message very general and not too technical on the science terms. And then I have other people who want me to get technical on the science terms. So I'm going to do my best to be somewhere in the middle, but understand as I go through these points, all of my sources are listed in the show notes. There's a lot of uh, very, credible scientific research and uh, also some more easily digestible resources one of which is a, a two-hour medical lecture from dr jacob montgomery who is an ophthalmologist and it's a really really mind-blowing interesting lecture on this exact topic blue light and he goes way more in depth than i do he's a very smart guy uh, he's very much based off of the work of Dr. Jack Cruz, who is uh, really the pioneer of this entire movement. He's been doing this for a while. Uh, Dr. Jack Cruz is a neurosurgeon, and really, thanks to him, a lot of people are waking up to this topic, the importance of blue light. And he has a book, he has a blog, uh, Dr. Jack Cruz, and I'm going to try to get him on the show. That's one of my next steps. Because uh, you see me, if you're watching this, you see me with these red glasses. These are blue light blocking glasses. Uh, and, and he really has started this whole movement. So 
let's talk a little bit more about light. So light, we know, is everything from a flashlight to the blue light that emits from our phone screens and our laptop to, of course, the sun, uh, all other electronic devices and artificial lighting from the light bulbs, the LEDs, the fluorescent lights. There is a strong prevalence of blue and artificial lighting in our society today, and that's only been increasing. And we already know that these the, the light that we're exposed to does have an effect on our health, uh, mostly negative in, in today's society with the amount of artificial and blue lights, everything from disrupt sleep to eye strain and increased risk of chronic diseases. And, and if you doubt that, which is fine, I appreciate skepticism, but, but if you doubt that at all, consider that light can be so powerful that it can cause people to have seizures. This is widely known. Um, so there is something to light that really can, can have a profound impact. And so it's important to understand and manage our exposure to light accordingly because even something like the sun which we know has health benefits we also know can be a double-edged sword if we spend too much time in the sun we that might lead to skin cancer or at least that's what some research supports that's the the commonly accepted claim um and too much of anything can can be bad now getting a little more technical how light can specifically cause effects is through a process known as photobiomodulation. So breaking down that word, photo referring to the light, photo, photons, bio referring to the biological organism or the person, and modulation meaning it's fluctuating or modifying something. So photobiomodulation, which is also fun to say. And that can be good or bad. It's just a technical term meaning that light can modulate this biological organism that could be good or bad so we know from blue light for instance from screens from the artificial light bulbs that is bad it tends to be bad the research is pretty clear about that there are thousands of articles on that and um like i said feel free to check the resources on any of my claims made here today we also know that photobiomodulation can have positive or healthy results so appropriate levels of sun, sunlight, which has a whole, you can break down the components of sunlight to the UVB, to the full spectrum rays. And um, a lot of the stuff, you know, I'm, I'm no Dr. Jack Cruz, but uh, it's really interesting. You can explore this stuff uh, for quite a while and, and you might never get to the bottom of it. But what else? Photobiomodulation. How about red light? We know that red light is something that is not only popular uh, becoming increasingly popular as a health intervention with devices like the Juve light. Uh, we know that there's a lot of research to show that there are positives to red light exposure for many different things like uh, skin conditions to uh, helping with hair growth for some people. And even another one here would be intranasal photobiomodulation. And this here is from a specific study from 2020. The title is Therapeutic Potential of Intranasal Photobiomodulation Therapy for Neurological and Neuropsychiatric Disorders, a Narrative Review. Evidence shows that intranasal 
Photobiomodulation therapy improves blood flow and cerebral blood flow and can be applied alone or in combination with other devices to treat a wide range of brain conditions such as mild cognitive impairment, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, cerebrovascular diseases, depression, anxiety, and insomnia. So this is type of in injecting light into the brain to have an effect on the brain, which is pretty intense. And I listed the specific study there. I just picked one out of the many. And I did uh, vet all of these as well. Uh, so, you know, I'm not only telling you the exact title and year of the study, but I'm giving you uh, my notes on the, the results of the study. Unless otherwise stated, I'll tell you when I'm quoting. Uh, but I mentioned earlier this very interesting two-hour lecture that I highly recommend you check out if you're interested on this topic. And uh, this is a quote. The goal of this presentation is to present the quantum health paradigm by linking mitochondrial health, circadian biology, and retinal photoentrainment. So that one is a little bit high level, but it is still really interesting. It's, uh, I think any health enthusiast, if you do follow health a little bit closely, you'll be able to follow most of that lecture. And part of what it goes into is this idea that the circadian rhythm affects everything. And we know this, but we don't really think much about it. When we talk about health, especially as health coaches, uh, we, we talk about uh, physical activity, we talk about proper nutrition, and that's what most people think of if you were to ask uh, diet and exercise. Rarely do we think of circadian rhythm, our body's internal biological clock. Rarely do we think of regular sun exposure or reducing blue light. And so part of this topic, part of the importance of this topic for me is to not only wake people up to, the, to these realities so that they can take precautions on their own as individuals, but so that many of the health coaches in my network and my audience who do listen to this can prioritize this if they see fit as part of the conversation around making health changes. Because as you'll see ahead, we spend a lot of time helping people, you know, lose weight is one thing that a lot of people come to health coaches for. And Dr. Jack Cruz makes a very strong case that light is a factor in weight gain or weight loss. And we're, there's actually a lot of different approaches to making strong arguments around that. And so one of them here is this idea of circadian rhythm. Circadian rhythm, that internal clock, affects the regulation of all of our health functions, all of our health systems. Uh, so that is our lymphatic system, our endocrine system. It's really what ties everything together. It's the manager. It's the one, you know, keeping the machine running smoothly. And so I have a few studies here. Uh, not only is circadian rhythm mentioned in that lecture that I mentioned, I have one here from 2016. This is from Cell Research is the name of the journal. And the title is, yes, circadian rhythms actually do affect almost everything. I did list another one here from 2017 from Agings and Mechanisms of Disease. 
global rise of potential health hazards caused by blue light induced circadian disruption in modern aging societies. So like I said, there's a whole lot of research on this, but our circadian rhythm could possibly be one of the major players in this wide prevalence of chronic disease that we see in the United States and across the world. Because we're a lot of us are asking questions, trying to figure out what it is, and there's a lot of factors. It's clear that the shit food that they feed us in America, the standard American diet, the processed foods that flood the grocery stores, as well as the heavy toxic exposure that we're faced with that I covered in one of the previous episodes, these toxic chemicals that influence our endocrine systems in not-so-fun ways that are detrimental to our health, in combination with the exposure to artificial lighting that we have in our environment, it is just a recipe for disaster. We're living in a very toxic environment, and it's hard to be healthy with all of these different modes of attack because I do, they do seem to be an attack of some sort, um, even if just technically uh, these are things, even if somebody doesn't mean to be doing things as a deliberate harm, people are influencing the perpetration of these of policies that lead to allowing these sorts of environments, right? Our government mandates which light bulbs uh, we can put in our homes. And we know that the light bulbs that we're talking about here are harmful. Um, so we have to be vigilant about this, unfortunately, just like everything else. Uh, you know, not only do we have to be vigilant about our physical activity and our food, but we also have to worried about our light bulbs as silly as that might sound and um it is important and so if we are trying to be our best self and our healthiest self and uh trying to reduce any illnesses we might be facing or even a loved one if we feel like we're doing everything well maybe we might want to consider lighting as well because at the very least we know that sleep or that blue light exposure can disrupt sleep and this obviously goes hand in hand with circadian rhythm. Uh, but one thing that many of my clients are aware of, many people in general are aware of, if anything around blue light, they know that maybe they shouldn't use their phones before bed. Most people nowadays are aware of that. Uh, so what are some of the details around why that's important? Well, this is one reason I love that lecture that I referred to, because he, he goes into this, to answering this in a quite detailed way. And if you were to look at the spectrum of light, of natural light, the full spectrum, uh, especially as it relates to the sun, blue light that comes out of our phones is around the intensity of the sun around noon. So that means every time we are looking at, the, at our screens, we are programming our brains, we are sending the signal to our circadian rhythm, hey, it's noon. Even if it's midnight, even if we're supposed to be going to bed. Okay, so what? So my, cl my clock is a little bit off. Who cares? Well, part of the reason that the clock being properly oriented is important is because that circadian rhythm, that clock, 
is responsible for producing the proper hormones at the proper times. And that includes serotonin, our happy hormone. It includes uh, leptin, our hunger hormone. And really just about everything else, including melatonin, which influences our sleep. And I'm speaking general here. These hormones have multiple functions, but generally those are the primary functions of those particular hormones. And so because light can be interpreted by the brain as a type of signal, an instruction to do something, to create these hormones, we have to be very careful about the timing of the light in our environment. Because naturally, a natural, unaltered environment for a healthy body is we wake up and we get exposed to natural sunlight, and that's how our body knows it's daytime. And so that produces serotonin and energy, and we feel happy and clear-headed. And then the sun starts to shift and change, and throughout the day, we're getting varying levels of intensity of the sun, all of which, as it changes, are telling our body to perform different functions of which we are unaware, internal biological functions. And so if we never leave the house, if we never see the sun, that is going to feed disease, especially if we're sending mixed signals by not only not getting outside, but by constantly telling the body it's noon with our screens. So yes, at the very least, these screens can cause us to have sleep disturbances, sleep disorders, insomnia, not good quality sleep, bad mood. So if sleep is an issue for you, you might want to start paying attention to blue light. And of course, there are things that can be done, and I'm going to go over the full list at the end. Uh, I mentioned my glasses already, but there are other things like on the phone, for instance, there are settings, uh, night mode or blue light filter that are just ingrained into the phone's settings. If you have a new phone, they, they stay on top of this now. But if not, you can always download apps. There are certain apps, depending on which version you use, that can reduce the level of blue light. You might find that you have less headaches, you sleep better, less eye strain. As an anecdotal story, this is not based on a study. This is just me personally. I've been wearing these, these actually specific glasses for several years now after watching that lecture from Dr. Montgomery. And I went to the eye doctor for my usual checkup appointment, and he was floored after my examination to tell me that my eyesight had improved, which he never sees. Most people's eyesight don't improve. Most people's eyes just get worse and worse, especially nowadays. And so I give a big, I don't know for sure if it was the glasses, but that's the only real change that I made that I could point to, to have possibly such a powerful effect. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. And I have personally noticed many benefits to this as well. Um, I do. So I use formerly called Blue Blocks. The brand I use now is called Bond Charge. It's the same company. Uh, so if you are interested in blue light blocking glasses, check the show notes. Uh, I am an affiliate with them because I'm such a big fan of their glasses. 
These are the Hudson frames. If anyone wants to get these, I get a lot of compliments on these. Uh, there's a 15% coupon code in the show notes as well. The code is healthy dash and dash awake. Uh, so healthy and awake with dashes in between. And that is bond charge. They're really great. Um, I love them, but I'm going to bring that up again. But where were we? So we talked about sleep. What about mood disorders and cognitive impairment? You betcha. So blue light exposure, especially at night, can disrupt the production of serotonin, like we said, and that can play a key role in not only regulating mood, we know this, uh, but also cognitive function. And so when you think serotonin, maybe some people think of SSRIs. Those are the antidepressants. Those are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So they're messing with the serotonin function in the brain to produce the result. You know, the, the claim is hopefully to produce a more positive mood by messing with that serotonin. So what if instead doctors, instead of opting to mess with the brain through pharmaceuticals and serotonin manipulators. What if first we chose a more cautious approach by altering the light in the environment? If we know by fact and science and evidence that the blue light exposure that everyone is doing to themselves at night reduces serotonin and can lead to things like depression or reduced mood, Maybe we should address that first. And of course, I'm not telling anybody to stop taking medications. Always talk to your doctor first. But if my thumb hurts because it was, if it's being hit with a hammer, maybe before taking painkillers, I should stop hitting my thumb with a hammer. Meaning, if we know that the blue light is causing the problem, maybe we should remove the cause of the problem. And yes, I have a whole bunch of opinions on, on antidepressants like SSRIs, and that's a topic for another day, I think maybe even next week, because there's a whole lot of controversy. And, and I say this with, from a place of compassion and interest in the truth. I have a lot of friends who are depressed, and they hear me talk about this, and they, they feel that by criticizing things like serotonin reuptake inhibitor, like the SSRI antidepressants, they think that I'm being like cold or callous or, or judgmental, which is not the case. I don't want people to be depressed. Um, I, I feel the, the pain and I've had my own bouts of depression. Um, I, I, I understand controversy around this sort of topic and saying that, you know, maybe SSRIs that do provide or some people claim provide them help. Um, I, I understand that I guess there should be some tiptoeing around this topic. But in the interest of truth and compassion and wanting people to get the help that would really help them, uh, I'm okay speaking up in a way that maybe makes some people uncomfortable. The truth makes people uncomfortable. Um, and I'm okay with that. But I digress. We're not talking about SSRIs. That's for uh, next week. Exposure to blue light, we know, can disrupt mood. Uh, uh, this disruption has been linked to an increased risk of depression and other mood disorders. Blue light at night has also been linked to an increased risk of cognitive impairment and memory problems, particularly in older adults. And if this is something you want to look further into, 
I have one study here from 2017 from Translational Psychiatry is the journal. And the title here is Timing of Light Exposure Affects Mood and Brain Circuits. Interesting stuff. So what do we do with this information? Well, maybe we could try it in a clinical setting or in a medical setting, in a hospital setting. I mean, consider that hospitals are just uh, light environment nightmares with the fluorescent lights just constantly blasting the patients with the TVs in the room, blasting the patients with what we know today, with the information we have today. There is no good excuse for the, the poor lighting environment that contributes to disease. And this is only going to change if we talk about it. And here's a study from the University of Gothenburg that found light exposure or exposure to natural daylight and darkness at night can improve patient outcomes in the ICU. This study involved implementing a circadian lighting system that mimicked the natural light-dark cycle and found that patients who were exposed to this lighting system had improved sleep, reduced delirium, shorter ICU stays compared to those who were not exposed to the circadian lighting system. So I didn't write down the year for that one. Oh, that's 2017. Uh, that link is in the show notes as well. Okay, so it can improve intensive care unit outcomes. That's ICU. We have the research for that. What about eyesight? That's probably the most obvious. We know that blue, blue light from screens can steadily blind us. And this is probably the most obvious ones. Imagine staring at the sun all the time. We know that's not good. Okay, well, how about shining flashlights in your eyeballs all the time? That's basically what we're doing with the phone and the computer and the TV. And that can eventually lead to things like macular degeneration, which can cause blindness, or even increased risk of cataracts, which are like the uh, foggy eyes. And then, like we said, at the very least, eye strain, headaches, blurred vision, dry eyes. So I have a few ones here, uh, a few studies listed. I have one here from 2020 from Biomedicine and Pharmacotherapy. Mechanisms of Blue Light-Induced Eye Hazard and Protective Measures, a review. I have a link here from the American Academy of Ophthalmology. And then I have another link on uh, the, the eye health. This is from 2018 from Scientific Reports. Blue light excited retinal intercepts cellular signaling. That is almost like a tongue twister. So basically just saying that the blue light messes with the signaling that occurs in the retinal pathway. And this Dr. Cruz talks about this all the time. Like he talks about it on such a high level. It's fascinating. But maybe you think, um, okay, well, I'm pretty good. I don't really use my phone at night and, and I don't really watch much TV. Well, maybe if you live near a street lamp, unfortunately, that could increase the risk of thyroid cancer by 55% according to this study. This is a study from 2021 in a journal titled Cancer. And the title of this 
particular study is Associations Between Artificial Light at Night and Risk for Thyroid Cancer, a Large U.S. Cohort Study. This study found that exposure to artificial light at night was positively associated with an increased risk of developing thyroid cancer, with the highest quintile of light at night exposure associated with a 55% increased risk. The association was stronger in women and primarily driven by palpillary thyroid cancer. These findings are important because they suggest that circadian disruption caused by light at night exposure may be a risk factor for thyroid cancer. So that's pretty disturbing. And that implicates not only the eyes, but also the photoreceptors on the skin. And so this is, as you can see more and more, we have to be very aware of the timing of our behaviors. I did earlier already cover eyes, but I have another study here on eyes. This is a study from 2015 from the Journal of Ophthalmology. Evidence for the role of blue light in the development of uveal melanoma. So that, uh, I had to look that one up. That is the, basically the coloring of your eye, like the, the iris. So if you have blue eyes, this is cancer of that blue part of your eye. That, uh, that hurts to even think about. And uh, I did mention earlier how blue light can influence possibly obesity or weight gain by influencing leptin disruption. And this is incredibly pertinent for people concerned about their health, for people who are health coaches. I should note this particular study is done on mice, but there are, uh, this is a biophysiological truth that light can manipulate hormones through the eyes. Uh, again, I, I refer to this guy a lot in this podcast, but Dr. Jack Cruz talks about this in depth as to how it relates to humans. He even wrote a book uh, on this topic, which I will list in the show notes. But research has shown that blue light exposure at night can disrupt the production of the hormone leptin, which regulates appetite and metabolism. This disruption can lead to overeating and weight gain, and the study that I mentioned is from 2013, the Journal of Biological Rhythms, and this is titled, Dim Light at Night Disrupts Molecular Circadian Rhythms and Affects Metabolism. So, yes, light can influence obesity, and we know this is a factor, right? Because if you just eat nothing but donuts all day, every day, that can also influence obesity. Uh, but this highlights the fact that maybe the reason you are craving those donuts not to give you uh, an out, not to absolve you of personal responsibility, but it could be that the lighting in your environment is influencing leptin in a way that makes you insatiable and so voraciously hungry that you just have to keep eating those donuts without any self-control. Which to me, I mean, it does highlight the importance of compassion around health topics uh, like obesity. Because I know a lot of people might be inclined to say, like, all right, just, you know, get your shit together. Just stop eating shit food and, and uh, just to have a cold approach. And you know what? That approach does work for many people. I don't think that should be totally discounted. I know a lot of health coaches are very soft and it's, 
let's talk about how you feel around this. And there's a time and a place for that. Um, but you know, there's, there, there's an importance to having different styles in health coaching and a different style and approach to discipline or health goals and all that. And, um, but it does seem that compassion is even more warranted around this topic of people who might feel they have no self-control around overeating because maybe it's the lighting that's, that's causing this. But this is possibly very dangerous at the same time, even though this is truthful and this is real. We have to think of the implications of that information, because what if we tell our clients, hey, it's not your fault. It's uh, the lighting that's causing you to act this way. Well, hey, then who cares? I'm just going to keep doing it. Um, so, I mean, this is something we need to think about and, and openly discuss as, as health minded people. And, and hey, feel free to comment on this video if you're watching it on Rumble. Send me a, a message on my site. But, but continuing, I still have some more stuff here. Let's, I've been a little bit nitty gritty, highly technical, not even highly technical, but a little more technical than usual. And I want to continue with doing that. So let's go a little further into the mechanisms of why light can possibly influence obesity. Well, because disruption in circadian clock genes are associated with significant changes in metabolism. Oh, this is a direct quote from the study, by the way. We hypothesize that exposure to light at night alters metabolism through disrupting circadian, the circadian system. Okay, so that's near the beginning. Now, near the end of that study, they quote, overall, our findings indicate that exposure to light at night attenuates or reduces core circadian clock mechanisms in the suprachiasmatic nuclei at both the gene and protein level. And I'm going to explain what that means. Moreover, circadian clock function is disrupted in metabolically relevant peripheral tissue, i.e. white adipose tissue, that's the fat that most people have, and the liver, which it has a certain degree of fattiness to it. Uh, by nighttime light exposure. Okay. So, suprachiasmatic nuclei. What the hell is that? Okay. Light information travels directly, and, and this is another quote, by the way. I'm, I'm quoting this article or this study a lot. Light information travels directly from intrinsically photosensitive ganglion cells into the retina to the master circadian clock located in the suprachiasmatic nuclei of the hypothalamus. I hope you like science. I hope you're listening. If you're listening to this, you're a sciencey person. Um, the master clock converts external light-dark information to neural and endocrine signals that synchronize peripheral clocks. So I'm not going to leave you hanging there. I do want to explain this. And first, let me say that part of what I want my show to be is to have variety, where this is a very technically heavy episode. I realize that. Um, but I have another episode coming up where I'm just going to be sharing clips of congressional hearings about the Twitter files and the censorship and all this information that is pouring out about how we've been lied to uh, about certain health things for the past few years. 
So if this bores you to tears, uh, please know that uh, this isn't the only sort of thing that I talk about. But I am a little bit of a nerd. I do love this stuff. Okay, so let's break this down because this is really important to understand when we think about how light can affect our health or like what's happening inside our body. So I'm just going to focus on this one quote here. Light information, so already, light can be thought of as information in the sense that light is sending signals to the body, whether it's the photoreceptors in the skin or whether it's the receptors in the eyeball. When we receive those photoreceptors, it sends a signal to do certain things in the body. Uh, and, and, and mostly in this context, hormones. We're talking melatonin, serotonin, all that good stuff. All right, so light information travels directly from the intrinsically photosensitive ganglion cells in the retina. Now, that's a mouthful, but what that means is that there are cells in our eyes that are programmed naturally to receive light information, the light signals. We are hardwired in our eyes to respond to signals of light. So, light information travels directly from the intrinsically photosensitive ganglion cells in the retina to the master circadian clock located in the suprachiasmatic nuclei of the hypothalamus. So the, the master circadian clock, that, that can be thought of as the, the top of the food chain that is controlling or regulating all of the various functions in the body. So the timing of that melatonin, which is produced like, so you have all these different systems within the body and this one here, the master circadian clock, is the regulator of all those different systems. And this master circadian clock is located in the suprachiasmatic nuclei of the hypothalamus. So that's a part of your brain, the hypothalamus. The master clock converts external light-dark information, so whether it's light or it's dark, to neural and endocrine signals that synchronize peripheral clocks. So whether it's light or it's dark, sends signals to our neural and endocrine parts of our body to keep our other systems in check, to make sure the timing is correct, that all of our clocks are synchronized. So I'm going to refer to this lecture one more time. If you enjoyed me breaking that down, which I, I love this, that, that was fun to do. Um, then you will definitely like that lecture in uh, the show notes, the Montgomery lecture. Uh, I also included a study here. I forgot to, oh no, I didn't forget to cite it. So this is from 2013, Journal of Biological Rhythms. Dim light at night disrupts molecular circadian rhythms and affects metabolism. So that's saying uh, even if it's dim light, so if you're not sleeping in pitch black, even dim light can affect your circadian rhythm. Okay. So I've talked about a lot of the, the bad, and I only have one more about like the doom and gloom aspects of lighting. Um, hair loss. 
So I mentioned earlier that red light can sometimes be used for hair growth or restoration. Uh, well, on the flip side of things, we know that light is a factor in hair loss. This is something I, one of the things that I have posted here is a blog post from Dr. Jack Cruz. Uh, so this isn't a, a scientific study, but he's considered the leading authority on this, this topic as a uh, experienced neuroscientist who focuses on the quantum mechanic aspect of health and medicine. And so he's definitely one of the more interesting and unique voices in health and wellness. Uh, but I did post his blog. He uses a lot of high-level neuro terms just as a heads up. But I took some notes here about if you are wondering more specifically how light is a factor in hair loss. Uh, let me just read these bullet points quick. So light is a critical component of the body's systems. We've covered that already. But one of the key components of the circadian clock is the melanopsin photoreceptor. Now, melanopsin is sensitive to blue light, which is found in natural sunlight, but also in electronic devices, such as phones and laptops. I don't know if I mentioned that already, but that is important to understand that it's not just blue light itself that is part of the problem. It's not blue light alone because blue light is part of the full spectrum of light that we get from the sun. It's just that when we get exposed to the blue light from the sun, it is not only timed appropriately, but is balanced out with the other, uh, the other parts of the light, the other colors, if you will. Um, so the, the timing and, and the context is important. So when we're exposed to blue light at the wrong time of the day, such as in the evening, melanopsin can become desensitized, which can disrupt the feedback loops of the clock genes and affect their ability to regulate physiological processes such as hair growth. And this is exactly what Jack Cruz gets into in the blog article and going on. In addition to melanopsin, other photoreceptors in the skin and hair follicles are sensitive to different wavelengths of light, including red and infrared light. These photoreceptors play a role in regulating hair growth and can be activated by exposure to specific wavelengths of light. So, the natural way to approach a, a healthy head of hair um, would be to get, you know, the organic, quote-unquote, organic red light and infrared light, which you get from the sun. So you can kind of think of red light devices as like a supplement, the same way if you're not getting fish in your diet, you take fish oil as a supplement. Well, if you're not getting a lot of sun exposure in your routine, well, you can kind of supplement with red light. So ideally, you're getting some reasonable level of sunlight, so you're getting that full spectrum of lighting. Uh, but if you can't, some appropriately timed red light can have possibly a positive effect on hair growth. So from Dr. Jack Cruz's perspective, poor light choices, particularly exposure to blue light at the wrong times of the day, can disrupt feedback loops of the clock genes and cause melanopsin problems, which ultimately lead to hair loss. Okay, so now we're going to shift into what can we do? Where are the positives? What's the good news? And I've touched on this a little bit already as we've gone through this, but natural light exposure can improve 
mood and mental health, reduce symptoms of depression and anxiety, regulate the production of serotonin. And so I do have some studies here. This one is from Current Biology. It's from 2006, uh, so it's a little bit older. But the title here is Daytime Light Exposure Dramatically Enhances Brain Responses. We know that light affects our brain function in both daytime and nighttime, and not just through our visual system. So this might be surprising. There is a non-image forming system that responds to shorter light wavelengths and affects our endocrine physiological, neurophysiological, and behavioral responses. And so with this study in particular, the findings suggest that light can modulate activity in these subcortical structures involved in alertness, promoting cortical activity and networks involved in ongoing non-visual cognitive processes. Okay, so that, that one was uh, a little boring of a paragraph on mid. Uh, but basically, this means that daytime light exposure um, enhances in a positive way the function of our brain, especially around alertness and cognitive function. And so I listed that study in the show notes. But even beyond that, a study by Georgetown University Medical Center found that sunlight energizes infection-fighting T cells in the body. And these cells play a crucial role in the immune system's response to infections and diseases. This particular study suggests that exposure to sunlight can help boost the body's natural defenses against infections and illness. That's interesting because I remember for the past three years, they told us to stay in our homes and avoid the sunlight by just not really going outside, staying in our homes. How weird. I'm sure it's just a mistake. Maybe they didn't know. Uh, but another thing we, we do have some considerations around sunlight. We do know, as I mentioned, that too much sunlight could mean possibly risk for skin cancer, but not only that, uh, sunglasses could possibly be harmful. This is a direct quote from Dr. Jack Cruz. Emerging, re emerging research is illuminating the dark side of wearing sunshades. Sunglasses trick the brain by changing the solar frequency spectrum the eyes sense into thinking it's dark and preventing it from producing a hormone, melanin, that protects against sunburn, according to new research. Sunglasses block UV light from entering the pineal gland through the optic nerves in the eyes via the central retinal pathway I spoke about in my Vermont 2017 talk. This prevents the brain from sending the signal to the pituitary gland to produce melanin, the pigment that tans the skin and protects it from burning. Excess vitamin A in the blood also causes a reduction of melanin and lowers its phytochemical, photochemical abilities. This is why blue light and melanopsin dysfunction have been linked to many cancers. This was initially discovered in ophthalmologist Fritz Hallwich's work from the 1940s as well. So that is a post from Dr. Jack Cruz on his Facebook. Uh, I, I posted that in the show notes. And not only that, we know that daylight savings time is bad for our health. This is something that is perhaps a little 
controversial, maybe, the Academy of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. Daylight savings time can cause misalignment between the biological clock and the environmental clock, resulting in significant health and public safety related consequences, especially in the days immediately following the annual change to daylight savings time. A change to permanent standard time is best aligned with human circadian biology and has the potential to produce beneficial effects for public health and safety. So you can find the link to that as well. And as a reminder, that is the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. Okay. So this is a lot. This is, uh, I hope, not too overwhelming. But I feel it's important to cover a lot of these intricacies around this topic because we spend a lot of time talking about exercise and which food is healthy. Should we cut carbs and is meat the best? You know, is meat unhealthy? Or should we be vegan? And, and there's all these controversies, and uh, this this seems like something that is underemphasized, but very important, as you can tell, and well substantiated by the research to justify focusing on this. Now, whether you are just a healthy-minded, health-conscious person who wants to improve their health, or whether you're a health coach here listening to figure out you know, more about this topic so you can better help your clients, uh, whoever you are, here are some of the steps that we can take to protect ourselves from the dangers of poor lighting. We know that blue light glasses, blue light blocking glasses, can improve sleep and workday productivity. Uh, this article that I posted here from the APA, this is from the Journal of Applied Psychology 2021. The article explores how wearing blue light filtering glasses can improve work-related outcomes such as work engagement, task performance, organizational, organizational citizenship behavior, and counterproductive work behavior. The authors propose that these glasses create a form of physiologic darkness, which can improve sleep, quantity, and quality. Overall, the study suggests that blue light filtering glasses can, can help employees live and work better. So blue light glasses, even in just this one study, uh, can, can help improve cognitive performance. And, and so uh, when I say work, I mean, that could be for your, the job that you have or work for yourself. It could, that could mean the alertness that you want to have if you want to be uh, present with your family, whatever it is. The, the study is about alertness um, and, and cognitive function. So blue light blocking glasses, like I mentioned earlier, are one approach. And if that's something that you might be interested in, check the show notes for the, the special link as an affiliate. Um, I, I partner with these guys, Bond Charge. I have the coupon code posted down there for 15% off. And I will say, these glasses, I've had these exact glasses, uh, they even still say blue blocks on there, for maybe four years. And I've dropped them so many times. I've like almost, like I've kind of lightly stepped on them after I've dropped them, crushed them in my pocket. I have them on my shirt and I go give someone a hug and they get crushed and they, they still, not only are they not scratched, 
They're not broken slightly in any way at all. These things are almost indestructible. Um, so they are really good quality. But beyond quality, they do what they're supposed to do. Uh, if you look on their website, you can see the images from the spectrometer tests. The reason I got these particular glasses, the very red ones, is because they actually block out the blue light. If you look at blue, you can't see it like at all. Um, and I know a lot of people, they have their regular reading glasses on and they say, oh, mine has a blue light filter on it. And for the most part, it's a marketing term to say that uh, if you bought it at the eye doctor, first of all, talk to your eye doctor. A lot of them don't even, uh, they're not educated on this. Some of them, they, they really have no clue the, the impacts. Uh, that's not all of them, of course, but the same way, you know, talk to your doctor. There's some doctors who really understand that many pharmaceuticals should be treated with caution and uh, they understand the importance of exercise and a healthy lifestyle. But then you have most doctors who don't give a shit about any of that. They'll prescribe you whatever medication. Um, eye doctors are very much the same way where some of the some of the eye doctors really get this. Most of them are still kind of asleep. Um, so be cautious when you're, I mean, not necessarily cautious, but just understand when you're at the do eye doctor getting the, the blue light filter that they offer, it's basically a technicality where, uh, they say, oh, it influences the spectrometer test in some positive way. Therefore, technically we can say it filters out the blue light. Uh, but if you really want to have the actual impact on your health, like we discussed, uh, you might want to get something like these bond charge glasses because they actually get rid of the blue light. Um, and I do, they are stylish too. I, I, I'll have to admit when I ordered them, I didn't realize the frames were blue because I was wearing a different set of blue light blocking glasses. So I couldn't exactly see the proper colors. And I'm the kind of person I don't wear colors. I wear black all the time. So this for me was a stretch at first. Um, but what really reinforced it was the amount of compliments I got when I wore these. And, uh, even one instance, I was at a party and they got passed around. Everybody was wearing these glasses, uh, for brief moments and, and it was cool. Um, and I've had no sleep issues since getting these. Uh, I do feel sharp most of the time and I give uh, big credit to these glasses. Okay. But beyond the glasses, what else can we do? Well, you can get a physical cover depending on what your setup is. That could be inconvenient for a lot of people. But if you have a desktop computer at home that, you, you know, you just sit there and you do some work, you can actually get a, it's like a physical piece of plastic or glass that you can slap on your monitor and that can filter some of it out. But let's say you don't want to do that. What if you want to just a software or something that does exist? So you can download something like Flux, F-L-U-X, or even uh, a little more advanced than that is Iris, I-R-I-S. Uh, I use them on my Mac. I switched from Flux to Iris. Uh, I'm not sure about Windows. I would imagine they are on Windows. Uh, and there's probably more even, uh, but those are two notable softwares for reducing blue light. Uh, make sure you check your phone for dark mode. Um, you can even switch the light bulbs in your house. I got looks from the neighbors, uh, questions from my neighbors, because when I first discovered the implications of lighting, I literally removed all of the artificial light bulbs from the house and I replaced them with halogen red light bulbs. 
And so my house was glowing red. It was the only one on the block that looked like Halloween all the time. And um, I do not regret it. It uh, I liked the vibes, really. And um, it's not practical all the time. You kind of need one corner of the house to have regular lights if I need to read something or, or something like that. Um, but that is one approach. If you have the liberty, the freedom to do that sort of thing, it's, it's cool vibes and it will help with your circadian rhythm and your eyesight and all that. At least that's the hope. Uh, and, and of course you can limit your screen time. That's one approach as well, but that's pretty much it. Unless you have any more ideas for approaches to limiting blue light. I try not to keep these episodes longer than an hour, so we're going to end it there. Let me know what you think of this, because uh, I know my topics are varied. So if you like this one, I can do more like this. Keep an eye out for the one on cold exposure that's coming out very soon. I was the guest on, uh, again, my friend Laura Timbrook's podcast, and it turned out so good. And I think you're really going to like that. If you like this one, you'll definitely like that. But as always, uh, if you want to support the cause, support my mission towards making the world a healthy and awake place, and also supporting independent health-free speech. Make sure to check out MikeVera.com, where you can find all my socials and everything. That leads to my main website, which is RedPillHealthAndWellness.com. You can check me out at either of those. And um, I have a lot of stuff in the works, but for now, you can check out my newsletter. Uh, that's free, where every Sunday I send out an update of the podcast, some news, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, you can check out the health coaching program at, and, uh, at the website. That is Red Pill Your Health. So that's for people who know some of the things that they should do for their health, but maybe they've been stuck and uh, maybe they've been paralyzed by all the misinformation that's out there and propaganda and they don't know exactly how to proceed. Um, well, with my program, it gives you all the information. And if you want to go for the premium version, then you get access to the group health coaching program where you get uh, access to me or a board-certified health coach, where you can get more personalized help. So there's zero guesswork, and uh, that's really how to get you to your health goals as quickly as possible. But at the very least, please like this episode. If you're watching it, share it, subscribe, comment, all of that good stuff. Other than that, stay healthy and stay awake.